Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today, let's talk about the lining of the womb, the endometrium and its importance in producing a pregnancy, particularly in women who are going through an IVF cycle or a frozen embryo cycle. So the endometrium is vital to establish a pregnancy. The embryo, by the time it gets into the uterus, should be at the blastocyst stage with two or three hundred cells, be hatching out of its eggshell and attaching to the endometrium. And that endometrium needs to be healthy to allow that to occur. The endometrium grows in the first half of the cycle, whether it be a stimulated IVF cycle or even in nature. It grows from a thickness of two or three millimetres to up around six or seven millimetres in a normal cycle. Under the influence of the high hormone levels in an IVF cycle, it's more usual to be around 11 or 12 millimetres in thickness. So when we go to a treatment what we need to see is that the lining of the womb is at least those sort of parameters somewhere between 6 and 13 14 millimeters because that's what's been shown in multiple studies to be the range where pregnancies are likely to occur once you get endometrium that's thinner than 6 millimeters or thicker than 14 millimeters pregnancy rates fall away So when you're being monitored with ultrasound during your your cycle of treatment, it's important that the scanner is taking account of that endometrial thickness. The thickness of the endometrium, as I've said already, is under the influence of hormones. And if you get thin endometrium despite good hormone levels, 
it suggests there may be something wrong with the endometrium and therefore pregnancies are unlikely to occur. That thin endometrial problem occurs probably in around 1 or 2% of all of our patients. It could be picked up as early as a simple cycle where we're tracking ovulation and doing ultrasound. It may be picked up during a stimulated cycle for IVF where the lining of the womb is not responding to the high levels of oestrogen. In that scenario, we would probably freeze all the embryos that we create and see what we could do to improve the endometrium, having tried to establish the reason for the thinness of the lining. In frozen embryo transfers, we're particularly conscious of the, the thickness of the lining because the levels of the hormones are no greater than the natural cycle and what we want to see is endometrium greater than 6 millimetres before we put an embryo back. It doesn't mean you can't put embryos back at a thinner level, but we know the pregnancy rates are reduced. The reason for a thin endometrium can be, firstly, due to scarring, which may have followed a curette for a miscarriage in the past or a diagnostic procedure to look at the lining of the womb, can end up removing the basal levels levels of the endometrium, those that are nearest the muscle of the uterus. And they're the cells from which the increase in cell number and size occurs every menstrual cycle. So if you take away the basal layers, you're not going to get proliferation of the cells. In its most extreme form, stripping that basal layer off can lead to the cavity of the uterus actually closing right down with adhesion formation. That's called Asherman syndrome. It's relatively uncommon, but it is rare to get a pregnancy in that situation. There may be small islands of endometrium that are capable of taking on a pregnancy, but it reduces the chances substantially. The other potential cause of endometrial problems is where there is infection or chronic infection of the cells called endometritis. That often follows a miscarriage or some intervention like a curette. Both these conditions that I've mentioned really can only be diagnosed by looking inside the uterus with a telescope called a hysteroscope. And when we look inside, we can see the shape of the cavity of the uterus. We can look at the lining of the womb itself and we can take a sample of the lining of the womb. If we see scar tissue, adhesions in the uterus, at that time we can also break them down to hopefully allow the endometrium to spread back over those areas, scarred areas, and result in a normal endometrium. So hysteroscopy is a fairly standard approach if we have thin endometrium. That helps diagnose the problem, but in reality of those cases that we do hysteroscopy for thin endometrium, the majority we still don't find a cause. There are multiple ways of trying to improve the thickness. There may be multiple ways, but none of them have ever been proven to be of any benefit. So the first attempt is to increase the hormone level, so add on to the natural hormones by giving more oestrogen and seeing whether that will thicken up the lining. But studies in these group of patients suggest that that's not particularly useful. 
The next approach is to give drugs that increase the vasculature, the blood vessels of the uterus, and hopefully therefore increase the growth of the endometrium by providing a better blood flow. Viagra, the drug that's used in men to increase blood flow to the penis, has been tried. And while there were studies initially that suggested it might be good, the bigger studies have shown no benefit whatsoever. But your clinician may try using that. More recently, there's been a suggestion that giving growth factors that might stimulate cell growth could be helpful. So infusing infusion of growth factor, colony stimulating growth factor, have suggested some hope of improving the endometrium in some patients. It's certainly not routine and there have certainly been no randomised controlled trials to show that it works. The lining of the womb can also be affected by structures or abnormalities in the uterus, uterine structure like fibroids or adenomyosis, distorting the cavity. And removing those might be of benefit. The problem is it's also damaging the uterus itself. So there's a trade-off of whether that's worth doing. So if you have thin endometrium, the outlook is not that great. And for some women, it has resulted in not carrying the baby themselves, but organising for a surrogate to carry their baby because their endometrium is not up to the job. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.